Welcome to The Extra Podcast, a production of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Your hosts, Jeff, Ezra, and Thalia will be discussing the Bible, relevant issues, and current events each week. At Northview, we love to study God's Word and discuss how it applies to our lives, but we try not to take ourselves too seriously. So feel free to laugh with us and at us as we try to challenge and encourage you in your faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. My name is Thalia, one of the pastors on staff, and sitting with um, two of my friends. Hey, Jeff. Hey. And Ezra. Hey, Thalia. Who's that I'm hearing chewing and drinking? (laughs) That'd be me, Ezra. It's a Tuesday, and it's lunchtime, and... That's what I'm doing, Ezra. Uh-huh. We run from meetings to meetings to meetings, <laughs> and we don't have a time to breathe. So breathe, Jeff. That's right. Yeah. Chew quickly. What have you got? Cheese strings and I stuff? just have cheese and, uh, and a nut bar. Oh. So That doesn't sound very exciting. Well. And I, Coke I, Zero. I found it in the kitchen. <laughs> don't tell anyone. The nut bar? <laughs> in the kitchen here at the church. Oh. Yeah, the nut bar and the cheese. Oh. So. Very there exciting. you go. Yeah. Okay. Lunch for champions. Lunch for champions. Yo. You already know what time it is? Yeah, I do. It's the tweet of the week. You bet it is. It's from Trevin Wax, and he says this. Have found this to be universally true. If they walk in bashing their last church, they will eventually walk out bashing yours. Ooh. What do you think? Why do you think that's a tweet of the week? Why did you pick that one? I didn't. Our production production team picks that. Do you know that? They threw it at us. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so if they would say, say it again. Okay. Have found this to be universally true. If they walk in bashing their last church, they will eventually wash it, walk out bashing yours. First of all, that's an overstatement, just like all of Twitter, right? We agreed? Universally true? Universally true. I don't think, though, we should be applying. There's always somebody on Twitter who applies the, 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 the sound reasonable head thing. Twitter is made for hyperbole. It's made it's made for a flashy, punchy statement. And so mm-hmm. somebody got a I got a hot sports take and I'm gonna put it out there and yep. they say it. And then there's always some person saying, Really? Uh-huh. Really? Do you really think that that's the case? Isn't that an overstatement? <laughs> Wouldn't a better That's word why be? we're starting with tweet of the week. Because you get a chance there to you have go. your own rant back. Yeah. But I want to affirm that largely, yes, if somebody comes to the church who and they are bashing their former church they tend to be the kind of person who is uh, consumeristic for the most part. They're looking for their family, them to be served by the church. And if the last church didn't serve them well, you, usually you are not going to eventually serve them them well. So I appreciate the heart of it. I will say this, though, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is the part that I want you to tell me off. <laughs> Ready? Wow. Okay. Aren't there legitimate reasons to leave a church, or are there not? Yep. Oh, Ezra, yeah. go. Yes, there are there are legitimate reasons for leaving a church. So, for example, if your pastor, if the pastor of the church uh, goes down a theological trajectory that is far from the scriptures, then yeah. of course you you definitely. I mean, you have conversations, and if they are strident in their position, and they are not willing to um, recant, uh, then of course you need to do the do. So they would come into your church, you could leave, bashing yeah. their former church on some level. Yeah, but I, I think the word bashing is a very strong word there mm-hmm. because I, I, on Twitter, I, no. <laughs> I think the word bashing is very strong because for me, bashing has this uh, negative connotation to it. 
So for actually, me, I understand Ezra, North America bashing is a very positive thing. Not, is it not in Canada? I'm We're very I'm nice. actually kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I just why are you doing that, Thalia? Uh-huh. You and I could easily pull that one on. Over <laughs> him. We don't bash in Canada. And the whole time he would be like, "Oh, okay, uh, I bash you, Jeff." <laughs> Trevin's no, no, an American. Trevin no, 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 no. yeah. Wax. There, there it is. So I have a question, though. When I read this t- uh, tweet. Do you think that, no, you answer my question. Okay. Do you think that there's a reason Absolutely. for people to leave a church? So Ezra's yeah. pointed out doctrinal infidelity. Yep. Yeah. You, but are, I have, are there any others? Oh, absolutely. But I have nice reasons. Okay. Like oh, you've moved nice. to a different town. And you want to go somewhere close by. Oh, See? come on. <laughs> oh, you are so nice. That's a good one. Okay, I so, know. I told you I'm nice. So let me, are, is there a good reason for somebody who doesn't move to another town, doesn't relocate to go to a different church in their town? Yeah. Youth programs. Oh, kids programs. Oh, what? Huh? Really, Thalia? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. You're would, both saying that. I would... I, Join forces. Are you, are you saying? Are you saying? Are we saying that that's a good reason? Yeah. Or are we saying that it's a legitimate is, reason? It is a reason. Uh-huh. She's saying it's a legitimate reason. Oh, it's a legitimate reason to leave your church and go to a different church because of the youth program. Are you yeah. on board with that? Oh, Thalia, explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, there are some churches in our town that don't have healthy youth programs, and I think. Uh, so shouldn't the people stick around and try to help make a healthy youth program? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And if they can't, then yeah, I think it's good idea to keep your kids involved and go to a healthy youth program or a healthy kids program or I mean, whatever. The, the truth is that almost every parent feel, feels that way, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at some point or another, if you're if you see your kids sliding away from the local church and not yeah. liking it at all and thinking the local church is just a waste of their time, yeah. there is a significant fear that comes inside of your heart that you're like, totally. my goodness, um, my, my kids are not being engaged with any of this stuff, and they are finding way more of a home away from the church than they are in. Yeah. And so if that's the case, then I think that they're probably... I, I think I agree with you. See, th- I'm, I tend to be a person who has, as I've grown older, uh, given a lot more grace to people who are who, who are making that transition o- away from a church to another one. I don't yeah. always think it's negative. I actually... So there are people... So let's take... Us as an example, there are a lot of people who would leave Northview and go to another church, and they'd come and talk to me about it. Yeah. And uh, I hope they don't bash Northview, but some of the things, reasons that they've left, like for, in some cases, it's because of doctrinal, doctrinal disagreement. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of am like, you know, God, God bless you as you go. The issue that you're leaving over usually is not a is not a core doctrinal issue no. about the, the church. It is an open handed issue. Tends that they're good an Christians. Opinion, a conviction. Yeah, good Christians disagree about it, and so I want you to have freedom to go somewhere else mm-hmm. and to flourish in that place. And so mm-hmm. I tend to think hi- highly of them. They, they, they say they, they you know, want to bless us as well. And so mm-hmm. they're, I don't think they go to another church and bash it. But I do think that there are some places that you can go to other churches in your town if the certain life stage that you're in requires a different kind of, kind of thing at this, yep. pre- at this present moment. I know that there are some people who come to our church who are, have been beat up mm-hmm. uh, in, their, in their estimation. Yeah in other kinds of churches, and they don't want to come and serve. And I know that the big push that we're supposed to have is, hey, you come into the doors and you need to be a part of the, this worshiping community, and that means part of partially serving here. I've told people that you're welcome to come here and hide for a time. Yeah. If you're suffering with burnout from the church you've been involved in or being beat up or whatever. The danger is that they get into that habit, The but the other side is also a danger to say, no, no, you, the only way you should be part of this local church is if you are doing all the stuff. So I just tend to leave that with with people a little bit more. I yeah. think that there are, there are legitimate reasons why it is that somebody would leave a church and not. Not I don't think there are ever legitimate reasons for you to go, to bash your former one. No, 
Because I think in this case, Trevin Wax's language is, look, if they come in and they're whining about the the pastor they used to have, you can pretty much guarantee that you'll probably say something at some point. They'll find something about you. Yeah, they'll and make. They will yeah, go away. You, they'll be angry with, with, with you. You, yeah. So, how many bashing emails do you think you guys get a week? Um, very few. Okay. So when they come in, how do you cope with it? I send them to Ezra. <laughs> Ezra, how do you cope with it? Actually, what I do is I edit them first. I I replaced my name with Ezra's name, so it says "Dear <laughs> Jeff," it's a "Dear Ezra." Ezra. And then good plan. Yeah, no, I think I think you you consider you look at the email, and uh, you read it, and then discern if it has any merit, uh, if the critique is fair, and if it is fair on where on the places where you need to own. I think, um, I think I would. Uh, I always offer, depending on the. Do you always e- own the places you should own? I don't. The, the, See, I get mad. <laughs> yeah, and then, look, then I own it later. Yeah, you get but mad the at the first it. few minutes. I'm just, <laughs> I write a response that yeah. I never sent. <laughs> right, right off the get go, I think um, it depends on the tone of the email, at least what I perceive the tone of the email to be. If it is not friendly uh, or like, a, hey, this, I, I, I'm not willing, I'm not looking to raise a stink here, but this is the concern. If if the email is doesn't have a tone like that, then I would. I would always invite the person for a face-to-face conversation because email back and forth, back and forth, people will misread things, Mm -hmm. they will read into things. Mm -hmm. And I want to look at someone in the eye and they look at me in the eye and actually tell me to my face and I tell them to their face, we have a good friendly exchange or robust exchange. So do you think that... I'm just thinking that that's really good pastoral advice. And Mm -hmm. it's good pastoral advice not having to do with just pastors. I think that this is something Mm -hmm. that... A lot of people can learn, and I think Thalia, yeah. you're sitting here. You're a care pastor, here. <clears throat> and one of the things that we face frequently is people communicating in ways that mm-hmm. aren't helpful to f- further the relationship they're trying to develop with the yeah. other person, right? Yeah. So email's always worse than face to face. Oh yeah. Phone call is worse than face to face, but yeah. it's better than email. Mm-hmm. Right. But texting not helpful. Texting at all. is like the worst yeah. because it everything sounds like you're angry. Yeah. Right, and they all it it. It devolves into the Twitter, right? Yeah. Where you're just trying to improve some, just trying to beat them down with like a well-worded zinger. Yeah. Uh, and so, if you can get away from that, that the 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 tweeting and the texting, and you can get to the more um, face-to-face meetings, it's actually very, very helpful because you can see people's. You yeah. know, I can look in you in the eye, and you can see my demeanor and your demeanor and if you carry yourself it's really helpful um on our staff is that we have an open office so if occasionally crystal or myself get one of these zinger emails we can run it by the other person and say what do you think and how should i respond and crystal's really good at telling me no no that one you need to meet face to face no no that one you can email back but you know i i don't know and so that's really helpful on staff yeah yeah so it's either responding to the email or meeting the person face-to-face depending on the tone of the email. But at the end of the day, too, there's certain things that are said, and then as a pastor, you sit down, and they, they're discouraging. And and so I may share it with uh, Jeff or Greg or somebody else just to, hey, is this true? Or could you imagine that this is the critique I received because of that sermon or this program. And so sometimes it's it's discouraging. But at the end of the day, you go back to the Lord and 
you pray and you ask the Lord to continue reminding you why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. What's the most ridiculous one you've ever received? Can you even say it? Can you, can oh, you speak it? <laughs> you, you want me to go there? Yeah. Well, I will go there. I think uh, there's uh, there's one email where someone uh, someone actually wondered why I'm still hired at North Hill Community Church, yet I'm black. Ezra, oh. when I wrote that, I was not <laughs> wanting you to... Good one. So, so, so that's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know, right? So, so there are emails like that that would come. But at the end of the day, again, you don't know who the sender is. You don't know what they're struggling with. And some may be just mental health issues. Others may be just depressed and angry and they just want mm-hmm. to punch someone and you just happen to be the guy there. Yeah. So at the end of the day, uh, the, the the best, at least for me, the best course has always been to invite the person for a face-to-face conversation. Yeah. Sit down and cross from me and tell me to my face what it is that you're concerned about. I received one once that was an entire, just it was just one paragraph long, and it had, uh, I think I counted like 17 uh, very coarse swear words in it. Yikes. All pointed toward me. It oh. used And it used the swear words in creative ways. Oh. Like I had never actually... Yeah, receive something like that. You know, it's funny. Sometimes when you respond to some of those emails and and you try to do it with, uh, you know, decorum and peace, like, okay, so I know that you're angry or whatever, but yeah. I'm, I'm looking to the guts of what you're trying to say here. And I'm, I don't either, I need to come clarification as to what you're concerned about, or I don't necessarily agree. Yeah. Um, it's am- It's amazing how angry people get at your response. I, I Ezra one time told me when we were talking about this, he said, you know, a lot of a lot of emails are just drive by shootings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably one of the best things I've ever heard yeah, in pastoral that's really ministry. Good. Mm-hmm. They're like, I just mm-hmm. I just want to share my opinion and you don't get to disagree with it. You yeah. just need to listen take it. Listen to it mm-hmm. as as somebody in leadership because you you're but because you're obviously wrong and you need to hear from from me in this particular manner. However, I will say this there still needs to be an openness among leaders to to receive this stuff. I don't like getting them, but the truth is there needs to be an openness to receive some of those things, especially if they're written carefully by people that you know and yeah. they said they say like look, I, I'm happy to get together with you, but I just wanted to give you a summary of what it is that I I feel and think so we can right. talk about it. Okay, ready to move on? Absolutely. Topic of the day, Jeff. You were excited about this when you saw it on the board. Modern legalism. So, Ezra, the mm. New Testament legalistic I villains. I find it interesting that you said legalism and then said to Ezra. <laughs> yeah. Because Ezra you... and I are about to go toe-to-toe here. Oh, nice. Oh, dear. So, Ezra, uh-huh. who are the New Testament legalistic okay, villains? Before, before, before even we talk about the New Testament legalistic villains, Jeffrey, what? define <laughs> legalism. Well, I'm going to define legalism as somebody who adds who adds uh, to, to the Word of God uh, rules that mu- they think must be kept in order for you to be considered holy, righteous, good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And to earn your salvation. So it's it's somebody who says, you, you're right with God or, or you're righter with God mm-hmm. if you keep these extra rules. rules. So yeah. I'm going to go and say, hey, look, here's, here's, a, here's what the Bible says about this particular issue. And you're going to say, yes, that's what the Bible says. But any thinking person or spiritual person would do what the Bible says and plus this little other bit. So a really right? good example is like, do not get drunk with wine, Ephesians 5.18. Right. So but you, then they would say, okay, then you can't even drink alcohol ever. 
You can't have it in your right. house, and you can't go to any establishment that has alcohol and, and, yeah. and. So, so this is the interesting thing. So mm-hmm. historically, uh, the, the Pharisees used to, used to have a, a, a fence around the law. So you'd have, you'd have a, law, a law in the, in the Old Testament, and then they would, they would uh, add to the law so that you would be protected against going, you know, breaking, breaking the law. So one of the laws was, for example, the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath day holy. So you should be in before sun, sundown on a Friday, because Sabbath was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You should be in before sundown. Now, I don't know, when does the sun go down in Israel 6.30 or something like that? Well, if you're really, I mean, Thalia, if you're, if you're a, a kind of like a, a, a borderline religious devotee, you'll show up at 6.24, right? Yep. At home. Mm-hmm. Still keeping the law, but um, you're skirting it pretty close there, aren't you? So if you're a little bit more religious or more committed, maybe you come in at four, right? Totally. Ezra hears he doesn't even go out on Friday at all, yeah. <laughs> and he ends up saying, "And but that's not le- it's not legalism to 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 have a fence for yourself to say to yourself, look, I I'm not going to do this, yeah, because I'm fearful that by doing it, it will actually tempt me to break the actual law, yeah, like a healthy boundary, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can add all sorts of stuff like that in my life f- mm-hmm. for my for my good, yeah." It's when I say, Ezra, you should be in. I'm listen. I'm going to stay in at. I'm going to come in at two. And Ezra, you you should probably come in at two as well. And good Christians come in at two. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're in at two fifteen, I don't know. I'm questioning your salvation. Do you yeah. something? So yeah. It's not even. It is your salvation, but I might not even say. Oh, I don't question your salvation. I actually think you're less of a Christian. Totally. So so legalism, unfortunately tends to be the um, the consequence of people who are really committed to holiness. It's not always the consequence of it, but often the consequence of people who are really committed to holiness, right? So if I'm really committed to honoring God in my life, I don't want to get drunk with wine. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, it starts off good. I end up thinking, yeah, but so you know what? I So I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. But then I'm also going to say that I, I can't understand how anybody else could come to a different conclusion yeah. than, than I would. Mm-hmm. And therefore, right. uh, you're wrong if you, if you do it. So the drinking one's not a big, big deal now. I mean, we, we say stuff like that, the drinking or the da- dancing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some great, Used to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some great stories. There's a, movies. When I wrote my doctorate mm-hmm. dissertation, that was one of the big issues that mm-hmm. I was reading through in the 1950s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of churches were saying, you, you cannot go to the movies. In fact, there, are, there were stories of pastors and uh, church members who would secretly sit in the parking lot of the movie theaters in the 60s and 70s and write down, when they saw somebody from the church, they'd write down their totally. name. Right, yeah. and they'd see which movie they went into. Yeah. Usually, movie houses they didn't have the multiplexes then; they just had the you know one movie. They'd write down the movie, and then on, when they showed up on at church the next morning, right on Sunday, the actual stories of people call being called forward mm-hmm. in the church meeting, mm-hmm. saying, "Where were you last night? Yeah, where did the movie? Yeah, well, I don't think Jesus went to the movie." You know, well, when I was a kid, I mean, to wear pants to church, to play cards, like to not go to the Sunday evening service as well as the morning service. I mean, just think like in my lifetime, how much that's changed. I kept wanting not to wear pants to church (laughs) (laughs) repeatedly when I was a kid. So, but a little different though, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) So what's modern legalism then? Like give us some, let's talk about some modern examples today. 
some modern mm-hmm. examples of legalism. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we'll start with some e- easy ones. I'll, I'll start with a couple sure. easy ones. Sure. Uh, one, one of them these days is, has to do with money. Okay. And by that, I mean uh, the Bible has a lot of things to say to wealthy people. And so if you are, uh, if you are a rich, richer person than me, I get to pass judgment on you and your use of your money. Yeah. And then say, well, you know, if you're really a holy person, you wouldn't own a... And then you fill in the blank. Whatever car that mm-hmm. is, whatever house that is, whatever... Holiday you in. Whatever yeah. that is. Mm-hmm. Now, that, listen, that does not mean that if you are wealthier, you should not be thinking very carefully about why it is that you have the wealth and what God's purpose is for that, that you might be a conduit of His grace and be sharing it with others and not... As John Piper says, not be a conduit lined with gold. Copper will do, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I am not the judge over whether or not you should own that car or another car. Uh, I don't actually think Jesus is bothered by somebody owning a Mercedes-Benz. There are people in the Christian church in this day and age, who's, who I will not name, who who say that that's a sin, who say that that's outrageous. Now, we... I'll, other parts of that, uh, you're, you're quite, quite honestly uh, a friend who says that we are in an age of salvation by recycling. Oh, yeah. So, so there, that's a legalism totally. to some degree. Like, mm-hmm. if, do you recycle? Do you not recycle? Mm-hmm. Which things do you recycle or not? Like, if, it, clearly the earth and the planet requires, uh, you know, creation care, and therefore if you're not doing that stuff, you're not doing it right. There's a whole legalism yeah. along those things. And then we add in legalism around school choices. Mm. Mm-hmm. It can be a hot what do you, button topic. What do you mean by school, school choices? So, you know, in, in Abbotsford, we have lots of choices. You can do public, you can do private, you can do homeschooled, you can do school of choice, you know, hockey academies and all kinds of things. So the tendency can be that moms can judge each other for the school choice you make, that but maybe one choice is holier than the other and it's better for your family and oh, yeah. you're better Christian. I just want to do what's best for my kids. Right. Isn't that the way the language always works? Yeah. Well, I'm, Daly, I'm doing what's best for my yeah, children. I believe I'm called to do that. And you might be doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. but I just want to do what's best. Yeah. Right? See, you, you do something different. And then I do the best. Yeah. No, actually, I have been told by someone, Ezra, you should have your child or your children go to Christian schools. Because taking them to a public school, I mean, Ezra, how will they learn about Jesus? How will they know Jesus more? So. And I had the opposite, Ezra. I had I someone pushed. say you should be in the public school because yeah. Christians yeah. should be in the public school, salt and light. Actually, you should be yeah. homeschooling to because it's the best. It's the best thing it's for the your better. kids. You just, yeah. uh, the, the language so is always, back, it doesn't matter forth, yeah. which viewpoint you have. Yeah, yeah. It's that's all, a hot button one. It's all there. And you know what happens in the end is that people get, what happens with legalism is that it, people get buried underneath it, right? Yeah. Um, I think Matthew 23, I can't remember the exact uh, phrase that Jesus uses. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's, he, he basically, you, bur- you, burden, you, you burden up your hearers. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a language like you just you you lay heavy burdens on them. Yeah, and that's right. That's that instead of following Jesus being a free uh, a Christian liberty kind of thing, where you have lots of different choices in your mm-hmm. life, and God is going to be happy with what you choose in those particular places, whether it's this particular school or what car you drive or where you live in the hill mm-hmm. or whatever. Instead, people are constantly feeling guilty. Yeah, 
that the choices that they're making are not holy enough. Even yeah. the, even though I can say, well, where in the scriptures does it does it direct us specifically yeah. which car we should drive or which school we should go to? Yeah. People are doing implications based upon the scriptures, and then I argue for it, and then and then I and I pass that judgment on everybody else. But I would even go beyond that by saying there are certain. So, for example, uh, Colossians four verse two: be devoted to prayer. So this past week we had a prayer week. Mm-hmm. And so our numbers, the attendance of the prayer week were, let's say, about 150 people roughly on each given night. Mm-hmm. But at Northview, how many people come on a weekend? 4,500, 5,000? Like we had a lot of people who come and who call Northview home, both of the Mission Campus, here Downs Road, East Abbotsford, and so on. So then the question becomes, okay, so for all the thousands who didn't show up for the prayer, to, to even one night in prayer week, so now they are not as committed Christians as those who showed up. And mm-hmm. so there will be people who yeah. came to the prayer week who will walk away feeling very discouraged. and uh, or, or the opposite, that they'll feel very holy. Or yeah. they'll feel very holy because they showed yeah. up. Well, I mean, even yes. I struggle with that because I came one night and you feel like you have to justify why I came one night and not three nights. And so then I battle all week feeling guilty and the shoulds and like that, it's hard. That doesn't mean that the people who are there are passing that judgment on you. No, it, what, it was an internal it, thing for it, me. What it means though is that you tend to be legalistic in totally. your heart. I would be a really good Pharisee. Right. <laughs> I would. Right? We, right. Tend to, we tend to all be that way. Right. We don't want to let somebody we let somebody be when it comes to their, their choices about how exactly they're gonna, they're gonna keep, you totally. know, they're gonna work out their Christian faith in their life in places where the Bible's not cl- so clear. So, yeah. so for example, that you know, uh, pray continually, or yeah, you should mm-hmm. be devoted, devoted to, to prayer. prayer. Yeah, like man, that there's a lot of ways that you can be devoted to prayer. Right, mm-hmm. right. Uh, going to the prayer meeting is not is one of them. Absolutely, it's also not a requirement. It's not the only. Yeah, it's no. not the only thing. Yes. It's not a saying that you shouldn't go to the prayer meeting. Of course, it's great. If you want to go to the prayer meeting, that's awesome. It's fantastic. But there are other ways that you can you can be committed to prayer during prayer week. But we think, well, you should go to the prayer meetings, and then you should also sign up for a community group, and not only a community group in a home, but maybe a Bible study at church. And then you should also do your own personal devotions, and you should spend a certain amount of time in that, and then should, 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 guilty, guilty, things. guilty, all good things. But, but when they, they are laid upon their, exactly yeah. when they are laid upon you as a as, as, as a necessary consequence of salvation, that, that you need to do all of this stuff in order for God, for you to be really walking with God. So why do you think at Northview that we would be a little bit more prone to falling into the modern legalism trap than the liberalism trap? Probably because we're more fo- we, tend to, we tend to focus on, on the, the scriptures and we have a high view of the Bible and we believe that it's, it's not okay for you to be a hearer of the word. You must be a doer as well. Mm-hmm. So again, our, our emphasis on, on holiness puts us in a temptation yeah. toward legalism. I yeah. think w- when, uh, for me, I would look at legalism, legalism and, and I would see it as devoid of grace. Yeah. So allowing the Spirit of God to continue sanctifying someone and me giving them the space and allowing God to continue working out mm-hmm. this person's salvation in their lives. And so in many ways, we lay... Uh, sometimes unrealistic burdens on people yeah. where they feel like now their Christianity is performance-based rather than grace-based. So if they don't do these things and they don't do them a certain way, therefore yeah. Christ is not honored or they really are not working out their salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. 
Totally. Not like they ought to. Yeah, not like they ought yeah. to. That's yeah. right. But there's, I mean, the opposite danger is true as well. You mentioned it there. Liberalism. The opposite danger. Well, mm-hmm. liberalism, I call it libertinism, mm-hmm. the idea that you would you would just do whatever, mm-hmm. right? Hey, God's happy with it. My friend who one day blew through a stop sign and said, I'm free in Jesus, right? <laughs> I, I, you well, might be with him soon. <laughs> yeah. I, there, there, there is a kind of, there's a danger in that as well. Yeah. That, you know, I preached a sermon a number of years ago, um, and it's one that I, I think about from time to time. It's called Two Fatal Errors. Mm-hmm. And one of the fatal errors is to believe that grace is cheap, M- meaning that, and that's language that uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer uses in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. And it's to basically say, along with guys like James, that, look, it's not okay if you just say that you believe in God and, that, and then it doesn't affect the way you live. It's just not okay, right? The demons believe that yeah. and shudder. Mm-hmm. So it's more than that. It needs to work itself out in your life. Mm-hmm. But there's the other fatal error, okay? So grace is cheap. The other fatal error is grace is earned, and it, it's yeah. the legalist error. It's, yeah. the, it's the belief, as Ezra just said, that, look, in order, in order for me to really be a, a good Christian, I know, I know God saved me and he put me back. A lot of people say this. He put me back, gave me a second chance. That's not the gospel. That's a legalist gospel because he gave you a second chance. Now you get to go work for it again. Totally. But you're gonna you're gonna fail again. Yeah. The, the the legalist gospel is that if you if you yes Jesus might have brought you back to some sort of like even standing, but now it's up to you mm-hmm. to make sure that you you keep you keep the law. Yeah. And do it the right way and live under the burden of all these other things. So both of those are errors. Totally. You, you miss the gospel in both of those ways. And sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. when you're talking to a person, you can hear the legalism in, the, in them yeah. and you want to start you know, pushing, pushing grace on them. And other times you can hear the libertinism in them. Yeah. And you say, you, you do know that there's a call to holiness, right? Yeah. Like, like Christ saved us not just so he could save souls for heaven, but that we might be holy. Mm-hmm. So there are books that are written on both sides, right? So mm-hmm. Philip Yancey's "What's So Amazing About Grace" is a is a very good book for somebody who is a a, a rampant legalist. I mean, um, Char, uh, Chuck Swindoll years ago wrote "The Grace Awakening," which is basically oh, yeah. along the mm-hmm. same lines. But on the other side, you know, Kevin DeYoung wrote a book called "The Hole in Our Holiness," which is great. It's basically him saying, "Hey, yeah, I, I get it. We're all free and all that kind of stuff." But does everybody is a, we're all agreeing that basically the Bible also does call us to a life of style of holiness and maybe it's not okay for us to go and watch all of those movies that have all of that stuff in them and so it it, there's a tension here repeatedly Mm -hmm. you talked earlier about the fact that we often keep tabs on others and how they are growing in their holiness or not growing and what they're doing with their life so people will often come to me and say but we shouldn't judge others so what do you guys say about that how does judging fit with this whole legalism oh, thing? Jeff is oh, all excited now. Excited. No, no, I'm not excited. I just, I'm going to read it. I just want to read a passage of scripture. People say this, right? Um, right. And they usually, this is like the best known verse in the Bible mm-hmm. now by people who aren't even Christians, right? Yep. Judge not, lest mm-hmm. ye be judged. Mm-hmm. Matthew 7. Um, in the context there, Jesus is talking about hypocritical judging, right? Mm-hmm. So he's he's basically saying, don't, don't judge in a hypocritical fashion, meaning don't look at Ezra and and say you're doing this thing wrong when you yourself are doing it wrong. That's why he uses that language. Yeah. Don't you know, take take the log out of your own eye before you address the speck in his. Yeah. Right. So he's he's concerned about the hypocritical judging in that passage. But I'm always interested when people talk about this. You know, oh, we Christians, we shouldn't we shouldn't judge, and yet 
I'll give you a, I'll give you a, a, a passage in First Corinthians chapter chapter five. Um, so what's what's going on in this situation is that there's a guy, a father in the church whose son is sleeping with his stepmother, right? So the father's new wife and the son are having sexual relations, and the church knows it. And they're 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 basically throwing a party over it. Mm-hmm. And the reason they're throwing a party is the libertine argument. Yeah, we're free in Jesus, right? Isn't this amazing? We're not bound by the structures of the world any longer, and all that kind of stuff. So Paul addresses this very pointedly. Basically, says, "Kick this guy out of the church." Mm-hmm. Like this is a, this is a kind of this is the kind of sexual immorality that even the pagans reject. At and the that's end, in Corinth, yeah, of all places. <laughs> and he, so in the end, he says, uh, "So he, here's here's the." The language he said in verse nine of First Corinthians five, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, right? So the people outside the church or the greedy or swindlers, idolaters. See, in that case, you would have to leave this world. But but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, drunkard or swindler. Don't even eat with such people. In other words, so. The eating probably is a reference to the communion, right? So, so you're supposed to establish with somebody who professes to be a Christian a, a distinction. You're, you're supposed to say, "Look, if you're not a believer, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge you. But if you are a believer, you bet I am." Well, and there's so, a bit of a nuance to that because it's a judging their behavior, right or wrong, right. sinful, not sinful. It's not a condemning like I'm condemning you to hell judgment. No, I don't have that right. Well, verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are, are you not to judge those inside? And what's the answer to the question? Yes. Yes. Yeah. God will judge those outside. Yeah, and but we're judging. But for you, expel the wicked person from among mm-hmm. you. And we're judging wicked, not wicked, so immoral, in, not immoral. What's interesting, Thaley, is that is this passage, so this is dealing with church discipline. And in some sense, though, the church is supposed to pass judgment. Church, at The whole church is supposed to pass judgment on this person to give them an indication that actually you're not okay with God. Yeah. This is when Jesus says in Matthew 18, you know, when the two or three are gathered, there I am in your midst. That's what he's basically saying, is that right. the... That the judgment of the church when they gather together and they make a judgment about the person who is who is in sin, when they judge that this person is in sin and they come and they address that to the person, they're speaking for Jesus now. So don't pretend. If you're the object of that, don't say, well, I don't like my church. My church doesn't believe. Jesus says he's with the church when it comes to that kind of thing. So, so on the one hand, should we judge those inside the church? Yes, we, we should. Should we judge them legalistically or... Better said, hypocritically. No. No. <laughs> so by legalistic me- meaning we hold a standard that's beyond the words of Scripture. No. No. So we do it hypocritically, meaning, uh, you know, I while I'm speed, I do this all the time, by the way, you speed down the road, you know, and somebody passes you going faster, you're like, what? This person. How dare they? <laughs> what? I hope the cops are around, you know? And, <laughs> oh, and I th- wish it was a cop. Then, then you stop and you think, oh. Well, actually, I'm yeah. actually pretty sure I'm glad I don't have to turn around because that that's the hypocritical judgment. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of judging that we're not supposed to do, legalistic mm-hmm. or hypocritical. Right. But there is a kind that the church is supposed to do with others. Yes. Right, Ezra? Church discipline. We know a thing or two about that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Ezra, should that people is... do yoga? Uh, no. <laughs> and Where ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no. No, well, no, 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 no. Yeah, you, you oh, asked okay. for the modern legalism, so we, Jeff and I are opposed to this one. 
No, we are. <laughs> Ezra believes that yoga is a sin. Yes. It's beyond doing yoga is a sin. Absolutely, yes. Although I, he nuances that a lot. But you know what? I'm saying no, and that's why I'm saying he's illegalist. <laughs> that's funny. You know, there's a lot what of. What if Christian... you call it stretch and strength? I mean, you can call it you can call it whatever you want. I think I think I mean the whole premise. Of, we could we could debate. If you this position here. your body in a particular way and breathe in a particular way, that's evil. Ezra calls that yoga. No. That's evil. <laughs> no, 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 no. So See, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with exercising or stretching or anything like that. But I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue that the premise of yoga, yoga itself, it's an Eastern religion. Yoga itself is a worship practice. And it I, is. I think you can. I think you can adopt some of the stretches and not attach the Eastern mysticism to it. But again, this it depends who this your is leader why, is. This is why these things get right. into your a instructor. De- this is why mm. these things get into a debate, right? Yeah. And, you know. Right. Because there are practices that people would do that do border on, on that. I tend to I tend to lean libertine, just so you know. Like I, I tend to be in that direction because I just cannot stand legalism. And other people, I, a lot of it has to do probably with their cultural background, right? And a lot of people, and Ezra has told me this before, that in your in it, where you're from, that there's not mm-hmm. even a question on this. No, yeah. there's no question. So. It's, it's, I'm it not following. In, what do you mean? No question on what? In Africa, there's just no question that About, you wouldn't you wouldn't do yoga. As you would never person. do yoga. You wouldn't do that. I mean, I think uh, the, it, it depends. See, for me, I look at uh, Canadian culture and I see a lot of immigrants who come and Christians come and you find scr- strong Christians who come and uh, weak Christians would come. So you find someone who comes from Pakistan or the East, the, 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 the Asian world whose family was steeped in um, yoga and mysticism and things like that, they come here. So, of course, they've been radically saved by the gospel of Christ. But they know what yoga is. For them, yoga is a religious practice. And so they come here, and then they see me going to a yoga studio and really happy to see my yogi, and I'm busy doing this thing, and I walk out feeling all refreshed and good. What has that done to this Christian brother? So that's that's question number one. So let me let me just engage with you a little bit. Yes, let's engage. Um, I think that that's a- accurate and true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know of people though who are against the use of drums in church because drums have been used for uh, pagan rituals throughout the throughout the world. The question I have is: Are, are drums necessarily used for that? And the answer the answer is of course no. No. And similarly. Is stretching necessarily used for yoga, even no. if the stretches are similar to what yoga no. does? Well, no. So in the end, I would say that one of the things I want to affirm about what you're saying, Ezra, is that in Scripture, we are told to consider how the how these actions impact our oh, brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ. Yes, I will say that the language of Scripture says you shouldn't lead them into sin. So I think it would be wrong mm-hmm. for me to go to Ezra, who thinks who 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 would not do yoga. He would not do it. Um. For me to go to him and and put him in a position where he would have to go to yoga yeah. for us to still have a you know relate. Hey Ezra, come on, we're going to go tonight and go to the yoga. Let's go to do hot yoga. Do, do you understand together. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, wow. Like this would. This, this, I don't even want to picture this. But I would like, be. Let's, let's just stop. I would be right. leading him into sin in that yeah. situation, into a situation. So look, you're, you're listening and you're thinking, "Oh, that's not an issue for me in yoga." Okay, but it it is a situation. Some people struggle with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And have come from backgrounds where their family members are alcoholic and they just, it's not, it's a no-go for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So don't put them in a position where they have to say yes to the beer. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I would say don't do not drink in front of these folks. Honor them. Right. Treat them well. You know that you have the Christian freedom to do this. Mm-hmm. You can have your beer at home. You can have mm-hmm. your wine at home. But when mm-hmm. you go out and you spend time with these folks, honor them as your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what Paul's really trying to get at. There are other right. other things. If you're not Ezra, if you if you think that, you know, there's certain movies that just we're not going to watch, like I'm not going to watch those movies with you in any way uh, or le- or or make you feel awkward in my presence because you haven't seen it. Does that make sense? Mm hmm. So there's another focusness, a love that is supposed to mark our Christian freedom. But that yeah. does not mean that there is no such thing as Christian freedom. I agree with you there. I will say I will take the argument of yoga a little further to actually say to actually say for an individual. So we're not talking Christian non Christian, we're just talking a person, an individual who walks into a yoga studio for the purpose of being taken through not only just the stretching, but it's the experience. Yeah. Itself, so you're going through. You're not just going there for the for your own. Like uh, I want to stretch my muscles and be fit. It's an experience you're looking for. There, my friend, you are worshiping. I got a problem with that. Maybe I think it's a. It's possibly very dangerous. I do. Yeah. So, so I think that this yeah. is, this this is the thing. Legal legalism always plays on the possibilities of very of dangerous. Yeah. Okay. So you, it is very easy for you to drink a lot of. Alcohol and it could lead you in horrible, horrible places. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean you should do it, and also doesn't mean yeah. But that, that but you but shouldn't. Jeff, alcohol is different here. Well, I'm, I'm going I'm, to put I'm, yoga in a different context. That's a worship you, service now. You're you're doing it because you think that necessarily, you, necessarily the mm-hmm. stretching called yoga is always yoga, and I'm I'm disagreeing with you with that. So but the, the yoga is not just the only issue. We, he and I are fighting about. It so could a Christian? Hey Ezra, could yeah. a Christian walk into a yoga studio, and instead of meditating on whatever they say, could you meditate on Jesus, and that would be legitimate? Then what's the difference between that and bringing it to a church then? And let's say let's do Christian yoga in church, no, but we'll pray worship music. Be, the difference. So I mean is, the same thing. The difference but could you? Is that I would be but putting, could, I don't know. If you called it stretching I don't know. strength, the difference is that I'd be putting a whole bunch of people in the church in a situation yeah. where some of those who have weaker faith. By weaker faith, we don't yeah. mean that they're like less Christian. We mean that right, they just have right, less right. less freedom to do this. You'd be putting them in a situation where they might be led to sin. So yeah. the answer is, to, of course, I'm not yeah, going to do so, that. So for me, I will argue to say this: it's it. I, I feel that it would be like if I was living in the first, in first century first century Israel, it's like walking into a uh, into a guild. So if I was a carpenter, I would be in the carpenters association. So they would have uh, association meetings, which were guilds. And in order to be a part of the guild, you had to worship the god whom they're worshiping. So it feels like okay, I have to take this incense and pledge allegiance to this yeah. to this god to be a part of this group. I'm arguing that yoga itself is a religion. Yeah, everybody around you in those that circumstance would have understood so, you're pinching the incense to actually yes. be a worship act. The que- the que- that's part of the question is how are people understanding your act to be? But this is a long conversation that totally we and I've had several times. And it's, but part of look the overall thrust here is that you can see how needly some of these things mm-hmm. some of these things get, get and why it is that there's a legitimate conversation here. But there yeah. are some truths that we want to hold. Right. There is Christian freedom. Yes. Uh, there's there is. a danger in legalism. There's Absolutely. a danger in libertinism. Mm-hmm. But that ulti- ultimately, uh, if I, I'm, I'm going to argue that, if we're, that it, we should be very concerned, especially in a church yeah. like ours, for burdening people with things that are not Scripture's blatant teaching. They're yeah. just 
right. not. So in the end, you should live freely. Send your kids to school you want to send them to, right? And have grace and mercy. Right. On drive others. what you want to drive. Yeah. Right. And and use your money for the for the good of of God in the world. Right. Yeah. And now, after listening to this podcast, hmm. we know how to press your buttons. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just just buttons. talk to Ezra about yoga. Well, I just said Maybe after this podcast. Are go, yeah. I love it. Oh, people are going to come. I love it. Yeah, bring okay, it. well, let's wrap it up for today and say thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See ya.